right when you don't know what to do just keep on breathing from the city of angels in los angeles welcome to all my listeners out there in radio land i'm dave the caregiver's caregiver at caregiverdave.com coming to you live 24 7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms like iHeartRadio, itunes youtube speaker soundcloud vimeo stitcher radio blog talk radio mixcloud i mean the list goes on and on i won't bore you in fact, we are proud to be voted the number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and the number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60 and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today, How the Art of Feminine Negotiation Can Make Caregiving Easy. Now, I always thought that women had the... Uh, the benefit in negotiating because they're so beautiful and so shapely and curvy and, <laughs> and they just can get away with a lot more than we can, especially <laughs> if we're bald. But Cindy Watson is the founder of Women on Purpose and creator of the Art of Feminine Negotiation programs. And she's also founder and managing partner of Watson Labor Lawyers as an attorney specializing in social justice law for 30 years. And that's a good combination when you're a good negotiator and you're an attorney. <laughs> Valuable uh, skill. <laughs> she is a TEDx and international speaker, best-selling, uh, an award-winning author, master negotiator, and consultant known for her passion, commitment, and ability to inspire. And as a world-class women's empowerment coach, Cindy has a proven track record, empowering, advocating, and motivating people to rediscover their purpose and become the best version of themselves. Before I get started, I do want to take this moment and thank my last week's guest, Lindy Lewis, a recovering, authentic alpha female who, <laughs> through sharing her humbling blocks and pivotal collection of tips and tools to live an empowered and full-color life, she does this through her speaking books and workshops. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, including this one. Um, caregiverdave.com or any of the other 26 global networks I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Cindy, so great to have you on the Caregiver Dave show. Yeah, no, thanks for having me and congrats on the success. It sounds like your podcast is growing and getting its just uh, accolades. So kudos to you. We're in our 10th year. Amazing. And I'm very close to a thousand shows, but uh, I just don't want to go back and count them. Yeah. I <laughs> can't blame you. <laughs> so I don't think I'm lying if I say yeah, you're 1,001. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just missed the thousand mark. Darn yeah, it. <laughs> it showed up last week. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I like to ask my guests, uh, and you've been on the show before a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was a while uh, back. Negotiating, and we're going to talk more about. Um, hitting home to caregivers. Uh, so just again, who is Cindy Watson and why was she placed on this earth? 
Yeah, well, I like to think it's been a journey for sure. Uh, you know, definitely always interested in helping people. And uh, I think at one point I thought law was definitely the way to do that. Hence the sort of social justice, uh, legal. But I'd say for the last, uh, you know, half a decade or more, I've really been on a mission to help people redefine how we look at success. Uh, you know, that's what led, frankly, to the creation of the art of feminine negotiation. Um, was this recognition that, you know, I was known as a barracuda in my law practice, which of course my clients meant as a compliment. And <laughs> given our deep conditioning about, you know, defining success based on that competitive model, uh, you know, they meant that as the highest accolade. And I had my epiphany about the high cost that comes both personally and I think on a global scale when we adopt that approach. So I think my mission, uh, I was placed on earth to help people reframe how we define success and how we show up in life. I got to ask a fair question because if a guy, you know, started doing this and said that, you know, the art of mass, the art of masculine negotiation, <laughs> you know, we'd be labeled racists and sexists and <laughs> yeah. every other ists. So yeah. why can you get away with it? And why are you separating it into the sexes? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that. Actually, it's a fair question because it's not actually gender based. And it's interesting that because everybody jumps to that conclusion. If you're saying feminine, that must mean women. <laughs> but the, the concept of the art of feminine negotiation is actually we all have masculine and feminine energy. And I believe and my TEDx talk was actually on the fact that I believe the world's out of balance because for too long now, both men and women have been defining success and showing up in our negotiations, showing up in business from that very competitive, more, you know, masculine model to the extent that that's how it's characterized. So I'm glad you asked because I actually really agonized, Dave, over whether to call it feminine, whether to even sort of name that. And I ended up coming down on the side that because we've been seeing feminine as a liability, those traits that people would consider feminine, I think both men and women have been stifling them because we see them as the opposite of success. So I thought, let's call it out. Let's call it feminine and start having both men and women be a little more willing to buy into those traits that'll get us those better outcomes in the long run. So great question. Good decision because you've got us talking about it. And <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm ahead of the curve because I always have been telling people for years that you know, I'm I'm not your typical macho guy. I don't yeah. like ball games. I don't care <laughs> about football or basketball. I'm not following any of the teams. You know, <laughs> I tell people, you know, and I'm empathetic and uh, sympathetic, uh, nice. all the great traits of a caregiver, but only 30% of men are caregivers. So I'm in the minority. Yeah. And I yeah. always I always kid around, but I'm serious where I say, you know, I'm in touch with my feminine side, you know. Yeah, I love it. I, I'm I right love on it. the borderline of gay almost. <laughs> <laughs> I get hit on frequently. But I am totally straight. And, uh, you know, I've been married for 49 years. Wow. Congrats. It's a real marriage, not just, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> not a beard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, well, you're understand, I understand about that. And, and uh, the, every man has to have some feminine traits if he wants to be truly balanced. And every woman Absolutely. has to be, uh, you know, have some masculine traits. Absolutely taken advantage of in this dog eat dog masculine world you know yeah absolutely yeah i love that and you're ahead of the curve and that i, I think it is one of the reasons too that women tend to not advocate for themselves as much because you know they they either do what i did which is bring what i call that overcompensating energy and get called the barracuda at one end of the uh, sort of spectrum or at the other end they're like oh i don't want that conflict and they tend to shy away from it so and i know i'm going to get in trouble for what i'm about to say but i don't care <laughs> Uh, you know, the feminists just got it all wrong. You know, they're trying to emasculate men 
and neuter them and 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 make them feminine and throw out the masculine and they just don't get it you know and in yeah. the and at, and at the same time they're throwing away their feminism feminism and they're <laughs> they're becoming masculine so yeah we're all yeah. screwed up yeah. I think there are a lot of mistakes made. I mean, the answer to play, play, you know, playboy, that was so offensive. So the answer was let's have playgirl as if that made it equal somehow. Right. And so I, I think there were definitely mistakes made along the path. <laughs> yeah. And I was one of the men who, who, who couldn't realize, who, who couldn't believe. And I realized that, wow, women really like to look at buff guys and guys, you know, <laughs> uh, I thought only guys like to look at, you know, girls in bikinis, but uh, women, <laughs> women can, uh, Give us a run for our money as far as, you know, flirting with the opposite sex. Yeah. And I think it's more about just how we show up. Like you hit the nail on the head, I think, Dave, that, you know, that we all have that masculine and feminine. And yet, and women became believed that the only way to get on the path to success was to only bring that masculine energy, you know, and that's what I think a lot of that sort of the feminist movement were going in that direction. And and everybody shifted out of balance. I think all of the roles got confused. And I think it's about for both men and women finding that balance, recognizing the value in all of the traits we bring to the table and choosing the ones with intention that are going to get us those best outcomes. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your book. Uh, what is it called again? The Art of Feminine Negotiation? Yeah, the subtitle is How to Get What You Want from the Boardroom to the Bedroom. And the idea being that all of life is a negotiation. As soon as we say the word negotiation, uh, people are like, oh, I don't really need that. I'm not in business. But you know, whether you're negotiating with your kids, your intimate partner, as a caregiver, especially you are negotiating all the time. So recognizing all of life as a negotiation, I think is really one of the keys. So I, I put that boardroom to the bedroom just to get people sort of knock them off their game about how they think about negotiation. Sure. And there's, there's always a negotiation. If somebody, if one of them wants sex, they've got little cl clues and, and tells and, and hints that they, you know, turn on a light or something like that. <laughs> That's negotiation. Sure. Even what movie to watch, right? I mean, it's yeah. just every, every, everything is constantly trying to influence and persuade in all of our relationships, personally and professionally. Yeah, I love those shows. Like everybody loves Raymond, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know where where the character is is a masculine guy, and he just can't help being masculine, and yeah. and the woman is feminine, and they're always getting into this these sexual battles. Yeah, and. Um, well, let's talk about the very first negotiation that we need to master to avoid burnout as a caregiver. Yeah, and I think it's the most often forgotten because, again, when people hear the word negotiation, you immediately picture a boardroom, suits, you know, the old padded shoulders. <laughs> and it, but the it's a win-win, uh, and some people believe, no, if I'm going to win, you're going to lose, you know, but, yeah. and other, yeah. other people say, no, 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 you, you want to feel good after negotiation, you both yeah. gave up a little, so go ahead, I'm sorry I interrupted. No, not at all, and I'm glad you said that, because even most people, when they use the term win-win, they're not really using it in the, in the context that I would like to see, right? I've heard a lot of really experienced mediators say, oh, I know I've done a great job when everybody walks away unhappy. And I'm like, no, you've done a great job when everybody walks away actually feeling they got a better outcome than they expected. But this it may become as a surprise. I believe that the first and most important negotiation we ever have is with ourselves, negotiating our own mindset. And especially as a caregiver, I think it's critical, right? Because our reality is determined by our thoughts and the meaning we attach. And as soon as you can recognize that it's a choice, 
That is such a powerful shift, especially as a caregiver, because we can't control everything. Goodness knows, but we can control how we choose to react. And I know certainly with my mom, as she started, her dementia started escalating. And in my role as a caregiver for her, when my son got diagnosed with schizophrenia and I was his substitute decision maker, I confess, I was so weighed down, Dave, at the beginning, like with negative emotional charges, right? There was grief and fear and disappointment and anger and why us and this isn't fair. And that affected how I showed up in my roles with them and beyond. So when I was able to sit, take a step back and practice what I preach and go, you know what? I can't change these circumstances, but I sure as heck can change how I look at it. That changed everything, you know? And the other negotiation I would say in terms of negotiating your mindset to avoid that burnout negotiate space for yourself as a caregiver, like, please, like, make time for that all-important self-care. It's easy to get into a bit of a martyr mindset sometimes because we're so stuck in that grind of caring and to do that we forget to take the space we need so that we can continue to show up as the best version of ourselves. Yes, you know, and uh, it doesn't take much to be in self-advocate of yourself, you know, you got to say, hey, you know, I'd be happy to do that for you, but remember I told you that between this hour and this hour is my time because I got it. Yeah. Unless you're dying or it's a dire emergency, yeah. uh, you know, I'll be happy to do that, but that can wait uh, for another yeah. hour, right? Absolutely. I love that. The power of a positive no. <laughs> <laughs> positive no. So how can negotiation help in a relationship as a caregiver, for, especially you know, if you are caregiving your mother, a uh, daughter and a mother who, you know, daughters and mothers just have this thing going on. I don't know. Uh, even my wife, every woman I know has a thing with their mother. <laughs> even if it's a great relationship, there's, it's true. There's, the mother can instantly make that that adult um, woman yeah. feel like she's a six-year-old who just, yeah. you know, um, took candy w- without asking. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I, it, that's that's a perfect example that you gave about that six-year-old because I think when we are caregiving, and frankly, whether it's for our mothers, our fathers, and you know any of those sort of parental or authority roles that we had, when that ends up reversing, it triggers all of those sort of you know if you're a woman, it triggers those little girl insecurities and hurts and wounds that can come up, and if, you know if you're a man, it triggers those little boy hurts and wounds. So. They can be very complicated relationships. So approaching it with intention is really the key. And that's why I like to call it negotiate. And I get a lot of resistance on this. People are like, well, I don't consider my relationship with my mother a negotiation or my relationship with my intimate partner if you're caregiving for an intimate partner. So when you can switch that mindset and show up with intention, then you dramatically increase the chances that you're going to show up as the best version of yourself and you're going to enhance the communication so that you can both get a better experience, right? Um, you know, when you're able to show up deciding who you want to be, for example, that's a very simple way to be able to change that communication. But one of the other areas I find Uh, in terms of how negotiations can help as a caregiver that is often ignored is negotiating um, sort of the health, every aspect of the healthcare, um, you know, and our service providers. We are often ignored. I mean, both certainly in, you know, in the United States, in Canada, and, uh, you know, I'd say North America for sure, um, you know, our healthcare systems are in a bit of trouble. So we often are ignored. We're not involved. We're not taken seriously or considered. So, Really getting intentional about negotiating to get what you need and what your cared for person needs is key. 
And again, just to use the example of my son, he unfortunately got diagnosed at the beginning of COVID and he was or near the beginning of COVID. He was in the hospital. So you can imagine how that went, Dave. None of the resources that should have been available were. There was no visitation being allowed. And it was a traumatic experience on many levels. So Again, I had to really ground myself and practice what I preach and start negotiating. So, you know, negotiating to get those resources for him, but particularly on the visitation, it was like an absolute no visitation allowed. And then I negotiated to get one visitor, right? That had to be a same for one hour. And then I used that as leverage to get two visitors. Then I used that as leverage to get extended time and just getting really intentional about recognizing that everything is negotiable so long as you put in a little prep, decide, you know, figure out what your bottom line is, know what you want, and get out there and advocate both for yourself and for the person that you're caring for so that you get what you need out of the healthcare system. You get the resources that you need so that you're not burning out and it makes your job easier. So I'm curious, in that situation, do you use everything at your disposal? For example, subtle little threats, because you are an attorney. Uh, <laughs> whatever works, is that your rule? <laughs> Great question. And it's funny, it's the old city, the Barracuda Cindy Nobody definitely would have gone there. <laughs> you know, definitely would have gone there as the, as the go-to. But I find when I, when I allow myself the grace to really practice what I preach and not get caught up in the ego, not get caught up in the emotion of it, applying the art of feminine negotiation actually allowed me to build rapport, to bring empathy to the table, to make sure that I was listening, to trust my intuition, to build trust with all of the people in the system. And that was actually how I was able to leverage, keep getting more and more and more visitation, for example, getting more and more resources. But I confess there were times when I showed up and there were certain very old school sort of nursing staff who were really resistant. Um, I think were uh, resentful of the fact that I was negotiating these perks as they saw it that other people weren't getting. And I would drive hours to go see my son and they go, nope, sorry, you're not on the list. And then I would try all of the various tactics. But being assertive doesn't mean you're not feminine. So that would, I always start with rapport and empathy and flexibility and intuition and trust. But then I definitely come back to assertive and I would immediately say, I want the duty manager now. And they're like, there's nobody on duty. And I'm like, well, I happen to know it's a legal requirement that there has to be a duty manager on call. And I want to speak to them now. And then boom, 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 every single time without exception. Uh, sometimes I had to get a little more assertive than others for sure, but I would always start with that rapport building approach and got way more that way than I did the other. So you acted like a feminine woman who is uh, rich in empathy and sympathy and you uh, help them to relate uh, to your feelings. And what do they say? You can get more honey. <laughs> more with honey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> than, than with vinegar or lemon juice. Or yep. Something. That's exactly it. More with honey you than vinegar. More bees with honey than with lemon juice. <laughs> <laughs> so um, good. So, so you touched on so many things. I want to back up to the siblings um, because let's face it, uh, most parents, so let's, whether it's a mother or a father, yeah. they seem to want, um, there's always one candidate who, who wins being the caregiver. You know, it's the empathetic yeah. one. They know, they know who's <laughs> the empathetic one and who isn't. And it's mostly women and, and so uh, a lot of women um, get upset with their sibling counterparts, their brothers, yeah. uh, because they get to just leave because, yeah. you know, the parent doesn't want them there anyway. And and so they're stuck. Well, 
you know, and they've got all this resentment toward the siblings. Yeah. Is there a way to negotiate to get them back? Um, yeah. What would you do? I love that. I think that's a great, a really important question because that dynamic happens. And part of that starts again with first negotiating our own mindset, because I think we do tend to fall into, and we don't like to admit it, but I've been guilty as well. We fall into that martyr complex, right? Like I'm the only one who does this. I have to take care of all of this. Nobody else does anything. And we wear it a little bit like a badge of honor if we're being really honest with ourselves. So I think first negotiate our mindset to get out of that. And when I talked about that power of a positive no, it's about setting those important boundaries, right? First internally, and then once you get clarity around that, I want time for this and I need this and I'm only willing to invest this much time. And, you know, my brother Joe has to step up or my, you know, sister so-and-so has to step up. Um, and then you go out there and say, okay, I'm available. Boom, boom, boom. You know, mom or dad needs X, Y, Z. They've got these appointments. So you're on deck. So you're going to have to do what you need to, to make yourself available. So being able to set those parameters and ask ask, ask for what you want and be prepared for pushback. Because if you're, you know, we get what we tolerate. So if your dynamic in your family situation has always been that you're the one who steps up, you may do it with the like, oh, woe is me. But if you always step up, people will expect that they will expect you to back down, they'll expect you to capitulate. So sometimes showing up in a different capacity than they expect. And, you know, one of my models, I call it the 5W model. And, you know, I won't take you through the whole thing, but the first aspect of that is who. So it's who, what, where, when, why, and the who decide who you want to show up as. So if you're meeting with your brother, Joe, and you know, he's going to push back and hit all of those buttons, guilt you out and the way that he's done so well, get really intentional. Intentional. Choose three words for how you want to show up. Maybe if it's with your brother Joe who thinks you're a pushover, you want to be bold. You want to be courageous, right? There's no right or wrong answer, but choose three words. Get really grounded in that, but also consider who is he going to expect you to show up as? Who is he likely to show up as? And how can you change the dynamic? And it, it sounds like it's a lot of work, but the more you do this, it becomes second nature, Dave. It's really simple. So just get really intentional about who you're going to show up as, what you want, where you want to have the conversation, when the best timing is, and then don't be afraid to get in there and get a little assertive if you need to, to ask for what you want to change that dynamic. Yeah. And just listening to you say everything that you were saying to your imaginary brother or whatever, <laughs> uh, I I just couldn't imagine you taking no for an answer. And it would, and I felt very difficult to say no to you if I wanted to because yeah. you were just so assertive and you were just confident and you knew what you wanted to say and you knew what had to be done as opposed to someone who says well you know it would be nice if if you can do it exactly I mean, so much and and it, you know if it's possible can you you know, they're going to walk all over that person. <laughs> Absolutely. And having said that, you can start by saying like, hey, Joe, I know you're crazy busy. I know this is a busy time of year for you. I know how important your job is. Like you can do some of that stroking in advance. So long as you're prepared to be assertive on the ask and in not backing down on it once you've made the ask. And it just takes practice, doesn't it? I, do you yeah. recommend Absolutely. Uh, the mirror? <laughs> You know, I always tell caregivers that who can't say no, they just can't say no. They're always saying yes, they're overburdened. I say, just look in the mirror and, and I want you to say no 100 different ways. Like, I love that. I love that. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I mean, my wife has got no down because she's 
doesn't speak well you know she only has a few words but but she can say no uh, a million different ways that's so good what each one means too (laughs) and negotiate with friends yeah don't be afraid like practice with friends and i I, i'll often advocate for my clients as well go to a flea market even frankly right like get used to getting a little bit more assertive if that's the role you're not comfortable with or if you tend to be overly assertive and you you're not great with rapport building Go to flea markets, bargain for stuff, negotiate, and practice trying on some of these skills until they get a little more comfortable for you. You know, I discovered uh, Roku that has these other channels called the Roku Channel, and they've got some of the shows that I that were playing when I was six years old, like <laughs> Real McCoy. And, and <laughs> I'm watching these things, just bringing back a lot of nostalgia. But uh, you know, Walter Brennan had a great character, Amos McCoy. And he just loved to negotiate uh, and and do it very passionately. And it almost sounded like he was fighting with the other guy. Yeah. But they both had smiles on their face, you know. And, yeah. and, you know, he moved from West Virginia to California and he missed doing that. And he finally found some some crankety old neighbor and uh, he was able to argue with him and negotiate with him. And, and then they go out fishing, you know, it sounds like that movie with him and Jack Lemon. I forget what a grumpy yeah, old man or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> so there's so much to talk about here. Um, you got any tips that would help with communication because negotiation is communication, isn't it? And, yeah. and if you're a poor communicator, maybe you're a poor negotiator. How does, communication um, affect your negotiation skills? Yeah, I would say one of the things that we're not very good at in North America is listening. You know, we say we listen, we pay a lot of lip service to listening, um, but we really are usually waiting for our turn to speak. You know, we speak over each other a lot. We're thinking about what we want to say. So definitely one key negotiation tip, I would say, is or communication tip, um, although I see those two as sort of some of the, the same thing overlapping at the very least, is uh, make sure that you leave the space to listen. Like, get curious. I call it the art of fascination. Like, show up with genuine curiosity to truly seek to understand what the other party needs. And know with that, the other tip is we only ask for those sort of stated needs. If we bother asking at all, frankly, but even when we ask, think of it like an iceberg, like the stated needs, what people tell you they want or what's driving them is that tip of the iceberg. And that's only, you know, 10 to 20 percent, depending on who you talk to, of the iceberg. It's the unstated needs that are almost always driving communication breakdown. It's about power and how we define power and whether we want power over someone versus power with. So I would say a big tip is to listen and come from a place of curiosity. Because the more that you listen, the more you're going to find other ways to handle things. And that's where those solutions come, where it's not a win-lose and it's not even a win-win that you referred to uh, earlier in the traditional sense, but it's truly a, oh, I didn't realize that was important to her or him. And I can actually give that in spades and that doesn't cost me anything. And when you have those epiphanies by listening, it totally changes our ability to communicate. And tied to that, that who tip that we just talked about a moment ago, so important. Anytime you are negotiating uh, all of your communications with the person that you are caring for, before you walk into that bedroom or hospital room or living room or whatever it is, just touch the door jam and ground yourself 
What are the three words that represent how I want to show up right now? I'm frazzled. I'm stressed. I've got all this going on. But when I walk through that door, I'm going to be calm, collected, a state of great, whatever it is for you, however you want to show up. And then if they trigger you because they're unappreciative or whatever, again, you can just take that simple breath and ground yourself in your three words. So deciding who you want to be and getting curious, I think are two game-changing tips and really simple things to do. And my bad habit is interrupting because I, I, if I don't interrupt and tell them what's on my mind, I'm going to forget about it. But <laughs> I found that just make a little note for myself because I am going to forget. And that will give you a, uh, the peace of mind to listen. Now, I love um, that. We're talking about all the things you should do, but I'm sure there's things that we shouldn't do, the, the mistakes. Let's talk about uh. that. Yeah, I have, uh, and actually happy to share, share with your listeners too. I have a, a little thing I did on a video series on the seven deadly secrets of negotiation. But I would say the first one that I would mention, um, you know, just in the time we have here, I would say the biggest mistake that people make in negotiating or communicating with their loved ones or the people that we're caring for, or any negotiation for that matter, is ego. Uh, we are a very ego-driven society. And, and interestingly, as caregivers, I think we... Um, convince ourselves mistakenly that, oh, I'm selfless, like I am the giver here. And we don't believe that we're showing up with ego, but, but we do, right? I mean, it's even that martyrdom is, is a for, that shows you that ego's in the house. When you get defensive about that lack of appreciation, that lets you know ego is in the house. And again, let me give you an example with my son. When he was in that hospital the first time, you know, my world was turned upside down. And, you know, those first couple of visits, I confess, I was not my best self. I was not practicing what I preach. And it did not go well. He was angry and he blamed me. And, of course, I'm killing myself, negotiating for visitation, driving friggin' seven hours to see him. So, And I'm trying to defend myself to let him see how much I'm doing, how much I care. Well, that that made it all about me, Dave. That was my ego, right? My need to be defensive. And I didn't see it as ego because I saw it as trying to help him by showing him he was loved and cared. That's how we justify it. But then the next time I came, I thought, surrender the ego, make this 100% about your son, Cindy. And I showed up that next time and I said, Chase, I want to apologize. I've been making this about me. I can't imagine what this experience has been like for you. And I just want to listen right now. Tell me, tell me what you need. Tell me how you're feeling. And I got it to, at first he was resistant because he didn't trust it because that hadn't been how I'd shown up. But when I just stayed there, even as he was throwing stuff and dishing it out, and I'm like, I just want to hear Chase. I saw there was a physical softening you could actually see across the room. And then that opened the space and totally changed our dynamic and our communications going forward. And it allowed me to be a better caregiver for him. And it allowed me to have a better quality of life for myself as a caregiver. How old is Chase? Uh, Chase is 25 years old now. And, uh, and when I said about grieving, it's like, uh, and it's like anything, whether it's an intimate partner that we're caregiving for a parent, you know, we have all these hopes and dreams for our intimate partners and for our kids and our loved ones. And when something happens, whether it's a physical injury or a mental health, that makes us realize that those hopes and dreams are not going to be the life they're likely to have. It's a huge readjustment, right? And that's why it's so important for us to really get intentional about how we negotiate those changed relationships with our, the people that we're caring for. Well, we've we've run out of time. So uh, in the last few minutes, uh, tell us about your book and what you hope to get uh, 
what do you hope readers will get out of it? That's what I'm trying mm. to say. Yeah, I love that. And again, so the book's called The Art of Feminine Negotiation. This book is actually targeted more. It talks a lot about conditioning that hold women back in particular. I'm going to be doing a sequel called The Art of Feminine Negotiation for Men. Um, but either That's both it. men and women can benefit. I guess what I hope they get out of it is just, if nothing else, Dave, is just simply recognizing, wow, all of life is a negotiation and I get to choose how I conduct those negotiations. I can actually negotiate my best life by following some really simple models and practicing them so that they become an everyday part of who I am. And I'll be able to get better relationships, better outcomes, better buy-in, longer lasting agreements, both personally and professionally. That is my hope as we then start what I hope is a ripple effect of everybody letting go of that competitive model and recognizing that the world would be a better place if we sh all showed up from that place of curiosity, both in terms of global P at the micro and the macro level. So that's that's my hope for the book. Well, I can't believe how fast our time has gone, Cindy. Thank you so much Likewise. for coming on the show. And how can listeners reach you if they want to find out more or buy your book or something? Absolutely. I'd love, I mean, the book is definitely available in uh, bookstores or on Amazon, obviously. By all means, check it out there. I have some free resources available too. So just check out uh, the website. It's the art of feminine negotiation.com. And again, whether you're a man or a woman, go there. I, I alluded to the five W. There's a free ebook there to go a little deeper. Some other simple models I have called the no fear model that talks a bit more about that ego and fear we mentioned all free resources there i give a lot of stuff weekly blog posts so by all means go check it out and see what works for you so you can start negotiating your best life well that's great um my newly my newly released book secrets from the hammock uncommon wisdom for uncommon times is spreading wisdom all over the world and it's available wherever books are sold uh, also and it's all on my free membership website caregiverdave.com you can get it through there and uh, I encourage everybody to join my, my Caregiver Dave Facebook community of 34,000 caregivers, where you'll learn all about my new caregiver wellness retreat and mastermind in Acapulco that I'm offering to burned out caregivers. And we're just trying to keep as many of those 30 percenters that die before their loved ones do. We're trying to keep them alive. So if you click the like or follow button on whatever platform you're watching or listening to this interview on, it also helps us reach more caregivers by improving Google's search engine algorithms. So thank you again, all my listeners out there all over the world, making us the number one caregiver podcast on the internet. So until next week, same time, same channel. May God richly bless you. Bye-bye. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never